Let's read the word of God together. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper, and like a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne there were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, 
The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand. And thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard them saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Amen. What is heaven like? Well, heaven is a wonderful place. And if you're a Christian tonight, you will be there one day, you and I, with that innumerable company of angels and redeemed men and women. If this book wasn't in the Bible, we wouldn't know what heaven was really like. We get glimpses in the Old Testament. We get teachings in the New Testament But in this chapter, in these chapters, we go through an open door and we see what John saw. We're going to heaven tonight. Isn't that wonderful to be able to do that? I've got some simple thoughts about heaven and then three thoughts about Jesus and then three things that you can't do in heaven. So we ought to get on with them down here. Firstly, there is a place called heaven. Just beyond our sight, but not too far from us, is a place. Now God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He fills heaven and earth, all of God. And yet there is a place that is his special abode. And that place is called heaven. And John, the apostle, in his cell in Patmos, those years ago towards the end of the first century, was caught up. And he went there. And he's written these things for us. There is a place called heaven. Now, some believers have a hard time. Why was the book of Revelation written? As I said, at the end of the first century, 
Some of them were being killed. Some of them were being put in prison. Some of them were painted with tar and lit as torches in Nero's garden. And uh, persecution was really starting. And what helps the church go through persecution? Heaven. This book was given, written, so that the believers, first century Christians, might have a view of heaven that would spur them to live for Jesus. And for us, sometimes life's a struggle, isn't it? It's not easy to be a Christian. We're called to suffer different ways, different shapes that comes. You know about that, so do I. And what spurs us on? Heaven. The thought of heaven. The book of Revelation starts on earth. Vision of Christ. Seven churches. Then we're taken to heaven and we get repeated visions until eventually the final one. We get that wonderful description of the city of God in heaven. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. And so, friends, when you're having a hard time, and if you're not, you will do. (laughs) On this earth, we do have tribulation. Think about heaven. Think about it often. Think about it as your home. Think about it as your destiny. Think about it as your real place. As you get older through life, more and more of your friends, your Christian friends, are already there. Isn't that right? (laughs) Some of us have been to a lot of funerals over the um, COVID period. And some of our number who were once here in this room are now no longer with us. But they are in heaven. And we wouldn't want them. We'd want them back. But you know, we shouldn't want them back. They're in a better place. Paul said, to remain in the body is more needful for you. But to depart, leave here, and be with Christ is far better. That's the Christian hope. Think of heaven when times are tough. Well, in in chapter 4, I'm making a few comments about chapter 4, first of all. There's a throne. Did you get that message? Did you count how many times it said throne? Twelve times. Before the throne. On the throne. Around the throne. Throne, 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 throne. Why? Because to suffering saints in the first century, God is still on the throne. And he will remember his own. And to suffering saints in the 21st century, God is still on the throne. Things are not going wrong, they're going right. And the events that happen on earth are by his permission or command. There's a throne in heaven. Now, to give you an idea, have you ever been in an airport and looked out the window? What you see appears to be chaos There's guys with luggage going around here. There's guys on trolleys going there. There's bushes going this way and that way. There's planes reversing in and out. And you think, what's going on here? It looks random. But if you were to go into the control tower, you would see that everything that's happening on that forecourt of that airport is all just 
working according to the control tower. They know exactly where everything's going, coming, being. They know exactly almost everywhere every suitcase is. So that if you don't get on the plane, they'll stop the plane to get your suitcase off. It's all controlled. And actually, that control room looks like chaos to us when we're looking. But it's controlled from the control room. Heaven is the control room of the universe. This is God's universe. He is working out his plan. And it's for your good and for his glory. He's running the whole thing for the benefit of his church and his son and his glory. Heaven then, like a control room. The other thing from chapter 4, before we go into chapter 5, what else is in heaven? Angels. Glorious spirit beings who are completely without sin. Men and women redeemed from earth represented there by those uh, 24 elders. We're going to see other images of pictures of people in heaven, souls under the altar and so on and so forth. What's it saying? It's saying this. There's a church on earth and we're still in the fight. The church militant. And there's a church in heaven. A church triumphant around the throne. Enjoying the visible, conscious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church in earth, church on earth, militant, and church triumphant in heaven. What happens when Jesus comes back? Those two are joined. And we are changed to be like him forever and ever when the second coming happens. That is the day for which the angels wait. In heaven, there is a place called heaven. There is a throne in heaven. In heaven, there are people. And in heaven, we shall meet to part no more. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Those who bid farewell to loved ones, Bid them farewell. It's been tearful. It's been hard. It's been trouble. It's been sadness. Jesus wept where? At a funeral. But in heaven, we meet to part no more. And the best thing about heaven, you are invited. The gospel is good news about this place And the whole world, it is a universal invitation. Every creature, every nation, every person in every generation is invited to come and to trust and to be saved and to believe in Christ. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, said Jesus, I'll give you rest. You get rest here. You get eternal rest there. The wonderful thing about heaven, I said I saw an open door. And our job as beach missioners and Christians is to tell men, women, boys and girls of heaven's open door and the universal invitation 
to all to turn to him. Not all will be saved, but all are to be invited. Heaven, then, an invitation. Let me just pause. Are you going there? Are you going there? Are you sure? Please, don't leave it another night without making sure. Lord, I want to be saved. Will you please come in and save me? I want to open that door that would have fellowship with you and you with me. And I want, Lord, to be sure of heaven. Make that your prayer tonight if you're not sure about heaven. And if it helps to talk about it, there's lots of people here who can help you to trust Christ and to be saved and to be sure of heaven. I'm going to go on to chapter 5. And so if uh, Caleb can bring the first. And I've just got three points here from chapter 5. Uh, before we finish tonight. In chapter 5, we see three things. Verses 1 to 5, an unopened scroll. An unopened scroll. In verses 6 to 10, a slaughtered lamb. And in verses 11, down to the end of the chapter, verse 14, and in a worldwide church. Unopened scroll, slaughtered lamb, worldwide church. Let's just think about those things together, shall we? Now, when you get something in Revelation, where do we look for the answer? Some people look in today's newspapers, not a good place. Uh, church has done that through the centuries and got it wrong. Where do we look for an answer for anything in the New Testament? Well, first of all, we look in the Old Testament. So if you're looking for clues how to interpret difficult things in Revelation, get your concordance out and look, where did that come in the Old Testament? And of course, uh, scrolls in the Old Testament often speak of God's, sometimes speak of God's judgment. And here, the idea is God's will. And God's judgment. Now a Roman will. Was in the form of a scroll. It was attested publicly. By seven witnesses. We read of a scroll here. With seven seals. And it expressed the will. Of a person. Who was, a, who was going to die. Or about, uh, when they died. And to enact the will. You needed an executor. Who was worthy. To do that. And here we see a scroll in heaven representing God's will, God's plan. But the problem is there's no man, there's no woman worthy to open the scroll. No one can do it. And of course, we are all sinners, aren't we? Who can perfectly do God's will? Who can bring God's plan to pass? Who can carry out God's wishes? And the apostle weeps because there's no one. It says there, I wept much, no one worthy to open and read the scroll or even to look at it. And the apostle is weeping in heaven. One of the elders comes to him and says, do not weep. There is someone who is worthy. There is someone who is able to carry out God's plan. 
God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation, God's plan for the ages, there is somewhat, there is one, one only of Adam's race who is able to do it. And who is he? Well, you know his name. He's identified here the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root, the originator of David and the offspring of David. David's son and David's Lord, David's God and David's descendant. He is both God and man, two natures, one one person, a perfect humanity, a full divinity, one only. His name is Jesus. He is worthy. That was the message to the weeping apostle and ultimately he's the only one isn't he the only one who's without sin the only one who's both god and man a human nature a divine nature he's the only one the only one who's died for our sins the only one who's risen again never to die the only one who's ascended into heaven the one on the throne is he So there's the unopened scroll. Jesus, the worthy one. And then there's a change. And it's verse 6. The unopened scroll gives way. And behold, in the midst of the throne and on the four four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. And we see there a slaughtered lamb the sacrificial lamb the lamb who takes away the sins of the world jesus the lamb of god and it reminds us that the center of heaven's worship is the cross of our lord jesus christ the center of god's plan for our salvation is Jesus in his sacrificial death, his blood, slaughter, pain, suffering, as it had been slain, almost visible there. The lamb, the center of the worship of heaven. In chapter 4, the theme is creation through the spoken word of God. In chapter 5, The theme is redemption through the living word of God. God's word personified so he might be slaughtered. Dire death, flesh, blood, suffering for us. And isn't it amazing? There are no works of man in heaven apart from the wounds that man inflicted on the Son of God. Think about that. No no works of man in heaven apart from the, the wounds that we caused to Jesus on the cross. It's as if he had been slain. The slaughtered lamb, the cross then, the center of heaven's worship should be the center of our worship. Our songs, our prayers, our thoughts, Our preaching, 
Christ crucified and risen again. That is it. That's what he sees in heaven. That's what we make much of on earth, the slaughtered lamb. Still bearing the marks of Calvary. The unopened scroll, there is one that is worthy. The lamb, he is worthy. And then we turn to a wonderful vision, which I'm sure will be developed tomorrow in our thoughts. Then I looked, verse 11, and I heard the voice of many angels round the throne and living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, hundreds of millions of beings, angels, men and women around the throne, saying with a loud voice, worthy. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine the sound of it? Sometimes you you have a football match and there's 50,000 people. This is millions. Nothing like it. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature on heaven and on earth and under the earth and all that are in them I heard them say blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb what are we seeing here we're seeing a worldwide church of Jesus Christ innumerable you can't number them international Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and universal. Every age of time, from the start to the end, from the very first person saved to the very last person saved. Universal in time. Worldwide in scope. International in nature. That is the vision of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the picture that John gives us of heaven. Three things that you can't do in heaven. Caleb, please bring that slide up. Thanks. You cannot suffer in heaven. No more suffering. No more death. No more pain. No more cancer. No more this. No, nothing. It's gone in heaven. And you can't suffer for Christ there because there's no suffering. But you might be called to suffer here. Suffer well. It's a great witness when a Christian bears suffering well. You can't sacrifice. You can't give you money. It's all over. You can't give you time. You're in eternity. And you can't use your talents anymore other than to praise the Lord. (laughs) And it will be done perfectly. But here, you can give. You can give your cash sacrificially. You can give your time extra miles, extra time. What can I do for him?
Do you want a job in your church? Go and see the elders. What can I do to serve the Lord? They'll give you a job. <laughs> Should do. There's things you can do. Sacrifice your time. And the gifts that God has given you. You are unique. We all are. Made in his image. Remade after his son. He's given you gifts. His spirit gives you gifts. Not for your benefit, though you will be blessed. But for the benefit of everybody else, that you be a blessing to them. That's what the church is about. And you give those talents to the people of God. And you're blessed as you do so. You can't sacrifice in heaven. You can sacrifice on earth. Therefore, sacrifice on earth. And the other thing you can't do in heaven. There's no more soul winning. No more evangelism. The last soul has been won. The ark is full. Heaven's complete. The number of the saved, is, it's all over. No more missions. No more opportunity in heaven. But we're not there yet, are we? So what can you do? What can I do with the years that remain? I'll tell you what we can do. We can serve and we can seek to win others for him. Can't do it there. Everything else we can do better there than here except these three things. So let's be ready to give it all to him. If he calls us to suffer, may we do it well. If he calls us to sacrifice, may we do it gladly. gladly. And he does call us to go into all the world and win souls for Christ. Let's make that our business, shall we? I'm going to finish with a quote from C.S. Lewis. And it's a lovely quote. Let me see if I can bring it up and I'll read it to you. You can follow it on the screen. It's from the book of Narnia. Remember, there's a, a lion called Aslan who's really a, a picture of Christ. And at the end of the book, says Aslan, the dream is ended. He means our life is the dream. The reality is about to begin. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their inventions, adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they, beginning, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. Think about that. In heaven, every day, is better than the day before. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful vision of heaven. And we thank you, Lord, for what we see there. We see a throne and we see a lamb.
And we know that the Lamb is on the throne. And the Lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. And his depiction as a Lamb reminds us of his sacrifice for our sins, his blood that was shed, his pain that he took, the penalty for our sins which he bore in his own body on the tree. And we are thankful, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we will one day be in that great throng who shout, worthy is the Lamb. But may we, Lord, by our lives, by our words, and by our deeds, live to his glory here, that we might seek to win others, that we might seek to sacrifice for him who sacrificed for us, and that, Lord, if we're called to suffer, we do it well. We pray it in his name. Amen.